sheets. Uh, you'll be able to uh, tally those words up and then make sure you turn them in at the end of the service to the Kidman table for a prize. Well, today uh, it's a great joy, but also sadness as we finish out our current sermon series that is titled Peeled, Revealing the Fruit of the Spirit. It's based on Galatians 5, verses 22 to 23, and I want to uh, remind you of it. If you, don't, you probably already know it by, by heart, where it says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Now, if you have missed any of our, our sermons throughout this week, I do encourage you to go back. They are on our uh, YouTube page, and we'd love to be able to, for you to get back into, you know, going into, what, for example, a word, for example, love or peace or kindness. We really brought it down, and I pray that you have, it has been blessing to your life. Well, today we continue on again with the word, and the last one is self-control. I've heard it before that uh, when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, think about uh, the uh, love and self-control as bookends, all right? It's not necessarily, you can utilize it individually, but it's also an opportunity for you to combine other characteristics of the fruit that you can work together and continue growing spiritually, maturing, and that way anything that you're able to do gives honor and glory unto God. Well, in the scripture, the apostle Paul wrote on the self-control, and the Greek word for self-control is enkratia, enkratia. He uses it in Galatians, again, 23, and it relates to power, specifically power over our own passions and instincts. The Bible makes it clear that our natural passions and instincts are at odds with our spiritual selves. The very idea of self-control implies that there is a war going on inside of us. The Apostle Paul explains this, and I want to share with you, if you open up your Bibles or your devices, in the book of Romans, chapter 7, verses 14 through, let's see, 25. Well, the Bible says this. He was talking about, you know, struggling with sin, but he was also thinking about, you know, the God's law reveals our sin. So in verse 14, and I'm reading from the NLT version. So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, or I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know what, that what is, I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree with, uh, that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I don't want, I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Here's a struggle. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing it. It is sin living in me that does it. He continues on saying, I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. You see, I love God's law with all my heart, he's saying here, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. 
See, I lost my track here. Okay, here we go. And then it says, this power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. When reading this, the, uh, the words that here the apostle Paul is saying here, how many of us struggle with self-control from time to time? I'm not asking you to raise your hand here. Don't raise your hand. But how many of us struggle with self-control from time to time? You see, there are different levels of losing your control. There are people, when they lose control, they take things, whatever's around them, and they break it, or they throw it against the wall, or they punch the wall, or whatever it may be. But also, there are other things that we may lose control over. For example, you know, you're driving on a highway, and you're going the speed limit. And then you see that as you're, you're hearing music or you're speaking with somebody, cars are just flying by you. Ooh, the temptation. And all of a sudden, you lose that little bit of control and be like, you know what? They're not, they're not being stopped. I can go along with traffic. So you get the temptation, you feed into it, you lose the control of uh, being away from the speed limit. And then, whoop, whoop. <laughs> Remember, you're with traffic and you're with other vehicles, but the popo is right behind you. You pull, you pull over. And you know, I mean, you know that you were gone definitely over the speed limit. But what do you tell the officer or the, or the, um, the state trooper? Everybody else was doing it. And I've heard this few times, the, uh, the uh, trooper, one, one uh, specific uh, story that one, someone mentioned to me, the trooper said, that may be true, but I got you this time. Ooh, man. But what happens is you lose that control of where you're supposed to be, the limit that you're supposed to be doing, but therefore you get the temptation, you go about, and then you lose control. So not necessarily is it always, a, uh, when you look at self-control, is it something that is hurting people, but also of how we're able to continue on with our life and what we're supposed to be doing at the level that pleases God and not our own desires. You see, we know the right thing that we should do, but we do the opposite from time to time. There are various reasons why we give in to our desires and our instincts and our, and our impulses instead of keeping them under control. If you don't watch what you're doing and don't keep our emotions controlled, our chances of hurting ourselves or others increases. Let me give you an example. Because of jealousy, Abel, uh, the, the jealousy of Abel, God warned Cain of the dangers of not controlling these evil instincts. We go back to the Old Testament book of Genesis, chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. It's written, Why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. 
You see, God is telling us as an example to Cain and telling us that be careful that when you become jealous, be careful when you are tempted to do wrong, control it. You be the master of whatever is trying to control your emotions. But many people, they would rather give in to those impulses that control them. Despite God's warning, Cain murdered Abel, his own brother. Now, you may not have a problem controlling yourself from physically killing someone, but oh, it's a different story when you are able to verbally kill somebody. Oh, you know, you can lose control and hold on or, or hold on to it when you want to be able to slap somebody upside the head. <laughs> And you're laughing because you know those feelings, right? But you have control in your life, the self-control that the Spirit is able to give us. How many of you have a problem controlling what comes out of your mouth? Don't, again, don't raise your, your, your hands. I'm not asking you to raise your hands, but the question is so that way we can reflect on, wow, do I really have a control problem with my mouth on things that I say? I encourage you to read James chapter 3 when it deals with about controlling your tongue. We can certainly lose control when we are angry, but angry is an emotion. In that same scripture, God is recognizing and telling Cain. He's saying, why are you so angry? He's recognizing. We also have to recognize when we're angry. It is an emotion, and it's not necessarily bad when we get angry because it shows that you're passionate about something. I've gotten angry at the sight of injustice. I've gotten angry and still get angry when I hear of innocent bystanders being the victims of drive-by shootings. And in fact, those of you who are online, I want to hear from you and put in the comments of what you still get angry with. Again, anger is an emotion, but if we are not careful and self-controlled when we are angry, anything can happen. But we are reminded in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, don't sin by letting anger control you. Remember, we must master it. There's a story in the Acts of uh, of Paul when he's imprisoned, being called before the Roman governor and, uh, of Judea and his wife. In Acts chapter 24, verses 24 and 25, it says this. A few days later, Felix came back with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, and sending for Paul, they listened as he told them about faith in Christ Jesus. And as he reasoned with them about righteousness and self-control, and by the way, it's the same word that he used in Galatians 5, 23, and kratia. And the coming day of judgment, Felix became frightened. Go away for now, he replied. When it is more convenient, I'll call for you again. 
Notice, ladies and gentlemen, when Paul starts talking about righteousness and self-control and judgment, Felix becomes afraid and does not want to hear any more what Paul had to say. He told them, when it is more convenient, I'll call for you again. Now, how many of us find ourselves saying the same thing? Think about it. It may not be the Apostle Paul, but week after week, the message of Christ is being preached all over the world. The Word of God is shared. The Spirit of God convicts us of our wrongdoing, encouraging us to change our ways, but it's so tempting and so easy for us to say, go away for now. I'll deal with self-control when it's more convenient for me. It says, when I am ready, when I get older, when I settle down, when I do this, when I do that. Now, if we are going to ask a question of when, then why not ask, when will I start to show self-control in my life? When will I change my ways to reflect God's way? Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, what God's will for, is for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. He's able to produce you a new person within you the way that you're thinking. You're probably saying, oh, you know, I've always lost control. Anything like that can just uh, uh, have me just flip out. Or... But if you transform your life and allow God to work in your life day by day, you're able to come as a new person. We're able to do so on every day. We're able to wake up and say, God, here I am. Thank you for another day of life. Allow me to continue to uh, do everything I'm able to do. And I know there's going to be struggles in the morning. I know there may be struggles in the afternoon. I know there may be struggles in the evening. But God, make me a new person. That way, my will can reflect your will. And anywhere I'm able to do and anywhere conversations I'm able to have with other people, let it be self-controlled. When God, when we use God's will to overcome our natural passions and instincts. We become people of the light, and God is pleased. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 6 through 10, the Bible says, Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse their sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in things that these, in these, the things that these people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have the light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. You see, self-control is the power the Holy Spirit gives us to win the battle raging within us. Without it, the battle is lost. 
Self-control is not only critical in our personal battle about sin and temptation, it also helps us in many other situations we face on our daily lives. Self-control is the power the Holy Spirit gives us to win this battle within ourselves, a war that goes between our spiritual selves and our natural uh, passions and instincts and impulses. Self-control is the power we use to resist temptation and avoid conforming to the things of this world. And that is a message many, like Cain and Felix, don't want to hear. They want to be able to uh, see that, okay, I am the way who I am. You know, God's going to have to love me the way, and God loves you. But if you don't, if you continue living the way that you do and not representing who God truly is, is there really a change in your life? Part of those that the the fruit of the Spirit is self-control, and we as Christians, as followers of Christ, should have that as one of the characteristics in our lives. Self-control is a gift that we cannot take for granted, but must be intentionally cultivated. Self-control is crucial to the health of all other fruit of the Spirit. It is the break that stops our natural reactions and allows the other fruit of the Spirit to take over, such as love and kindness and gentleness. With self-control, we can nurture and grow those other characteristics of the fruit. Without it, they wither. Now, let me share something with you before I close out this message. Is that when we think about the fruit of the Spirit, it's not the fruits every one of us has. You know, when you go into a grocery store or to the produce or the uh, area or go to uh, like the farm or, or picking out apples, for example, man, you know that, wow, I, this, this apple can be so juicy. This apple can have that crisp crunch and whatever you're, you're feeling like. So it's going to satisfy that hunger in you. And then when you go and get it, you, you, you go and bite into it, and oh, man, it, it's just nasty. It doesn't have that crisp crunch, you know. I, I like when they go, it's like, ooh, yeah. I love that, you know, those kind of apples. When your mind is already saying, okay, I see the fruit. I want to I satisfy that hunger that's within me. But in our spiritual lives, are people doing the same thing? I want the fruit that the Holy Spirit that is evident in that person's life. And when they go and test it, are they disappointed? Or are they satisfied to know that when you are tested, that they're seeing the fruit of the Spirit in you, a love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control? In the battle of good versus evil, ladies and gentlemen, in all areas of our lives, self-control feeds the fruit of the Spirit and starves the fruit of the devil. So if you are taking notes out there, I want to share with you a few things regarding self-control. Self-control returns love for hate. Self-control seeks joy and resists despair. Self-control pursues peace and rejects violence. 
Self-control chooses patience over impatience. Self-control offers kindness and rejects vengeance. Self-control embraces goodness and avoids indifference. Self-control clings to faithfulness when temptations abound. Self-control speaks gentleness and responds to anger. When we think about self-control, we accept that Jesus Christ as a Lord and Savior. We have that characteristic of God in us. We have to know how to apply it, how to act upon it, There's a proverb, chapter 25, verse 28, that says this. A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. For those of us who want to use self-control in this epic battle between good and evil, we must remember that like all of the fruit of the Spirit, maintaining it requires that we stay connected to God through the true vine, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You can't do this on your own. You can try, but you know you're going to fail. And you know what? In the midst of failing, we have the grace of God in us to forgive us, to cleanse us, if we go to God with a repentant heart. Because the Holy Spirit is guiding us and confronting us and convicting us to turn away from the wrong that we're doing. What a great example we have in Jesus Christ. When he was going, being judged, he remained in control. When he was being falsely accused, he, re he remained in control. When he knew who, he, who was going to betray him, he was in control. When he saw the cross, he remained in control. You remember that prayer that he did in the, 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 the Garden of Gethsemane? It says, God, take this away from me. It's okay for us to ask questions to God when we're going through things, especially when we are out of control. God, change us. Take this anger away from me. Take this bitterness away from me. Take this hatred away from me because it is affecting my life and the relationship I have with others. Let the fruit of the Spirit in me, let people see you in me, God. I know it's difficult, ladies and gentlemen, but what a great example we have in, that, in Jesus. And even when he saw, as I mentioned, even when he saw that cross, he was thinking about you, he was thinking about me, and all others who believe in him so that they should not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. The fruit of the Spirit that produces this kind of fruit in all of you and me it's the same spirit that's supposed to remind us 
of what Christ had done while he was here on earth. And what a great opportunity we have here to take communion today and remember the words of Christ. For on the night before he gave himself up, he was having a meal with his disciples. He took bread. He gave thanks. He then broke it and said, take and eat, for this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He then took the cup and gave thanks and told them, drink from it, all of you, for this is the blood of the new covenant poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Oh, what a great joy and excitement to be with all of you here today and for those of you who are joining us online as we gather together, remember what Christ shared with his disciples and we continue to remember that today. Let me pause for a word of prayer. Gracious and almighty God, we are thankful for your love, your grace, your mercy, the fruit of the Spirit, all the characteristics from love, all the way to self-control that we have it because we have accepted you as our Lord and Savior and the greatest promise that, and gift that you can give us is the precious Holy Spirit. Bless us, Lord, and lead us to guide us in but before we take communion today, give us a moment, God, to listen to our prayer. That we can ask for forgiveness for getting out of control at times. For still carrying something within us that is affecting our relationships. It's affecting our health. It's affecting our lives. So I pray, God, that you listen to us at this moment as we come before you to confess our wrong. We thank you, God, for hearing our confession for seeing our repentant heart. We thank you for forgiving us, for cleansing us, allowing us to come before you and remembering what Christ has done for us. His body broken, his blood that was shed for our sins. We're so thankful for the words of prayer that he showed his disciples and we continue with that prayer when he said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.